My name is Penny Lacasso and I am the world's first happiness hacker. Imagine a world where human happiness and well-being drove our decision making. A world where technology was used to amplify human potential rather than replace it. The Human First podcast is designed to encourage you to explore your curiosity about the future of humanity. Our conversations are focused on building skill in intentional adaptability, creating the foundation to positively influence the future for yourself, but also for others. Join me here each week as we put humans first. Welcome to this week's Human First podcast. My name is Penny Lacasso and I am your host. I want to share with you today a little secret weapon that I've been doing a lot of work around and I'm extremely interested in, in the context of helping people develop the skills that they need to be able to thrive in this unprecedented future that we find ourselves in. Equally, I think what I'm going to share with you today will be hugely insightful for those of you who want to ensure that you remain relevant in the context of the change that you're you're seeing. And equally, if you want to help your children adapt to this new world that we find ourselves in. So let's talk a little bit about the problem first before we get down to solutions. Now, anyone who knows me knows that I have become extremely passionate about the impacts artificial intelligence and technology will have on how we work and live, not in the next 20 years, but just in the next five to 10. Now, it's fair to say in the context of that, we are entering the fourth industrial revolution and uncertainty is the new normal in this revolution that we sit within. Exponential technological advancements combined with a generational mind shift in how we view the world is actually driving an environmental upheaval that has many people uncomfortably questioning how to remain relevant. If this feels different, it's because it is different and you are not alone if you are feeling challenged or overwhelmed with the pace of change that's currently evolving. Now, according to the amazing Jeremy Rivkin, we are entering the human age and he states that we are going to see a shift and I think we're already starting to see this and it's predominantly being driven by the next generation and their level of social awareness. We will move from ownership to access from markets to networks, from consumerism to sustainability, and from market capital to social capital. Now, what's interesting about this is we need new skills and new structures to help us support this fundamental shift in how we operate in an economic environment. So why does all of this matter? Well, because I honestly believe the future of work has arrived and those who fail to adapt will find themselves quickly left behind. We only need to look at a couple of key stats to help build out this challenge that we face. Did you know that three out of four companies in the Fortune 1000 have changed out in the last 10 years and it's predicted another 50% will be gone in the next 500. Now, we know anyone who follows the Fortune 1000 will know that pretty much before this, it's remained relatively unchanged. So the pace of change and the impacts it's having on business are significant. 
Now, equally, according to the World Economic Forum, 65% of the jobs that exist today won't exist by the time my eight-year-old gets into the workplace. So how does an organisation or an education system skill people in jobs or the next generation for jobs when we don't even know what those jobs are going to look like? Did you know that much of what you learned 10 years ago is obsolete and half of what you learned five years ago is irrelevant according to the findings documented in exponential organisations? We need to become perpetual learners and we need to do it fast because they're stating that we need to relearn everything that we know every five years and reinvent ourselves at the same pace in order to remain relevant. The New Work Reality Research Report undertaken by the Foundation for Young Australians has also discovered that by age 25, 50% of Australians, young Australians, are unable to secure full-time work. So what does that say around job opportunities and equally what does it say about the skills that they're actually working or entering the workforce with? Now, I love this quote from Charles Darwin. It's not the strongest of the species that survives, nor the most intelligent. It is the one that is most adaptable to change. So within the context of the challenge I've just presented to you, how adaptable do you think we are as a society, as workers, as individuals? How skilled are we at embracing change and leveraging it as a foundation to innovate and drive greater equality? Judging by the significant rise in mental health issues and the correlation with the rapid introduction of new technologies, I firmly believe we have a serious adaptability skill gap on our hands. And the time time to to address this is now. So what can you actually do about this new environment and how can you prepare yourself? Well, whether you're a business leader, an educator, or an individual, your secret weapon to build a foundation to thrive in Jeremy Rivkin's quoted human age is to high grade or amplify your adaptability quotient. Now, you've heard of EQ, emotional intelligence, and IQ, which is intellect, but AQ is like the third leg of the stool. AQ is the measure of how skilled you are in making intentional change in an environment that is evolving at speed. Now, according to the Harvard Business Review, it is going to be the new competitive advantage. And what I find so fascinating is every time I raise the opportunity, the adaptability quotient provides with business leaders, their faces light up. Leaders, so many of them are searching for the how to skill a workforce in a future of unknowns. How is it that you fast track talent that will drive a future focused culture and innovation at its very core? Now, if you do a quick search of Google, like I did, you will discover social scientists and psychologists sharing their perspectives on why AQ is considered even more critical than EQ and IQ in the context of this environment that we are in. Without AQ, EQ and IQ are like a two-legged stool, unstable and likely to fall. In the near future, we will see AQ measures embedded and used as an indicator of your future success in both education and the workplace. Each and every one is born with differing levels of adaptability. But here is the brilliant thing about AQ. It's not fixed 
which means that we have the ability to amplify our adaptability quotient over time with commitment and persistence. Now, I'm not saying improving your adaptability quotient is going to be easy because if it was easy, we'd all be highly adaptable. And we know that in the society we live in, that is not the case. Improving our AQ is all about shifting mindsets and behaviours, which we know are often the hardest things to change. But equally, it is totally possible to shift your baseline AQ. So how is it that you can high grade your adaptability quotient? Having lived, breathed and taught adaptability over the last 20 years across multiple organisations and sectors and equally in schools, I've taken the next step in AQ education and created a six-pillar AQ model underpinned by an AQ measurement platform to teach individuals and organisations how to amplify and track their AQ. Sharing these pillars and a simple hack with each is our way of helping you to kickstart high-grading your AQ. So let me give you what I believe are these six foundational pillars to help you amplify your AQ and a couple of really simple hacks to get you on your way. So pillar number one, curiosity. There has never been a better time to unlock the inner child and allow curiosity back into your life. And so many of us, I believe, have curiosity bashed out of us by the construct of conforming in school, in university, and in the workplace. But we need to recreate the space for this. How would you do that? Well, I recommend creating what I call a curiosity list. Write down all the things that you are curious about in the context of the future, but know little or nothing about. Go back and highlight the one curiosity that jumps off the page at you, and then get out there and learn as much as you possibly can about it. Get on YouTube, read books, go to meetups, attend a general assembly event, reach out to random strangers doing work in your area of curiosity, and ask them for a virtual coffee. And then take what you've learned and share your curiosity with others. Share it with your team. Use this as a team exercise and see what you can learn and where you can take it from an innovation perspective. Now, what I love about this, a brilliant example of how I've applied this in my everyday, is 18 months ago, I wasn't talking about the future of work and I certainly wasn't talking about the impacts of AI and technology. But through my curiosity list, this was the number one thing that jumped off the page. And now what I've done is I've taken and reshaped all of my work off the back of that curiosity to meet a need in the world around humanizing the future of work. This is what curiosity can do for you. So the second pillar is self-accountability. I am blown away by the number of people I meet who no longer feel as though they have control over their time and how they spend it. Self-accountability is about being honest with yourself and taking responsibility for your actions, removing the blame game or this victim mentality that many of us seem to hang on to. Your time is yours and you have the power to choose how you spend it. So if you feel that busy has become your norm, consider removing the word busy from your vocabulary and start using positively occupied instead. If once you start using this new term and remove busy from your vocab and you feel like it's not true, then start holding yourself to account and asking yourself, 
Why am I doing what I'm doing if it's not making me positively occupied? What would happen if I stopped doing as much of this or ceased it altogether? Consider what you would love to do with your time if you weren't so busy and look at what you can let go of in your day to create more space for positively occupied. I have discovered that sitting in my inbox all day does not have me positively occupied. So I now check email twice a day and the world hasn't stopped and I actually have a hell of a lot more space for meaningful work. Pillar number three, focus. One of my favorites. So according to the work of Dr. Cal Newport in his book, Deep Work, we have created a generation that is newly programmed to be nothing but in a constant state of distraction. Now, what do you think this is doing to our society? It is impacting our ability to perform deep focused work, a critical skill for the future. So how do you create the space for more focused work, work with meaning? Well, basically, simple hacks like turning off every notification on your computer, shut down your email and turn your phone off, if only for an hour a day, and create the space for things that you really want to work on. Watch what happens. Do it for a week and just observe how switching off from everything impacts your productivity and the type of work that you do. This simple practice over the past couple of months has actually seen my productivity skyrocket. Pillar number four, courage. Teaching courage to thousands over the past years has made me realize how humans are capable of absolutely so much more than what we give ourselves credit for. The practice of getting comfortable with discomfort is life-changing and often starts with acts of micro-bravery. So if you want to get more courageous, challenge yourself to do one small thing every day that scares you, like introducing yourself to a stranger, signing up for a new challenge with no experience, putting your opinions out into the public domain. Small acts of bravery over time build the courage and the confidence to undertake bigger uh, risks or acts of bravery. Possibility is only realized at its fullest potential when we learn to use fear as a lever rather than a barrier. So pillar number five, human connection. I honestly believe that opportunity lies at the other end of human connection. And so do many key skills required to thrive in the future, like the ability to have a difficult conversation, problem solving or building trust. Consider how you can create the space for more human connection in your everyday. Be open to meeting random strangers and striking up a conversation. Turn your phone off if you catch public transport and talk to people at the train station. And the other challenge I'd give you is don't open conversations with what do you do. Instead, consider asking people who they are as a human being. Now, anyone again who has met me will know that this is a question I always ask when I first meet someone, and you will be amazed at how it shifts the dynamic of the conversation, how it builds deeper and stronger connections quicker, and just gives you an insight into who the individual is, as is not defined by a job or by doing. 
The other thing you may want to consider is jump on bekindred.com and pledge to be part of our human hour event that we run every year, which is one hour for you to disconnect from technology and reconnect humanly. We have pledges of large corporations, community groups, and equally individuals. So go to humanhour.co and uh, pledge your commitment if you'd like to create that practice or the space for it. The final pillar, pillar number six, is reflection. So without reflection, how can we become perpetual learners? Scheduling just 10 minutes at the end of each week to ask yourself, what did I learn this week and how can I apply it can be a really powerful way to challenge yourself and those around you. So they are our six pillars and some simple hacks to help you amplify your AQ. So let me just recap on those again. Pillar one is curiosity. Pillar two is self-accountability. Pillar three is focus. Pillar four is courage. Pillar five is human connection. And pillar six is reflection. Now, if you are interested in looking at how you can high grade the adaptability quotient of your team or your organization, please feel free to reach out to me. I'd love to have a conversation with you. You can email me at hello at bekindred.com. And finally, if you found this podcast valuable, why not share the link with a friend or a family member or screenshot the podcast, the podcast page and share your thoughts on social media. Be sure if you do that to tag me in at b.kindred on Instagram or Penny Lacasso on LinkedIn. Have a wonderful week and I will be back with you next week with something fresh and exciting. Bye for now. Thank you for joining us today on the Human First Podcast. If you loved your experience, please take a moment to leave a review on either iTunes or Stitcher and provide us with a rating. If you'd like to access the show notes or learn more about what we're up to in the context of humanizing the future, jump on over to humanfirstpodcast.com. See you next week.